0: Someone once told me that no one says life is fair. When you hear that when you're young, you have no idea what it really means. Once you've lived a little, and then you lose everything, suddenly it makes sense. This podcast is a true life memoir of someone who lost everything and is rebuilding in search of who they once were. They're sharing their story as part of their healing process. And so that anyone else out there living through similar circumstance knows that they're not alone.
1: Hey everybody. Dave the Clone here. (coughs) Coming to you. Almost two-thirds of the way through January here. The 21st actually is two-thirds of the way through January. On another installment of Feeling It, Healing It, The Diary of Recovery. I believe it's day 400 of sobriety. It's interesting how I gotta keep checking my daily uh, gratitude journal to keep up with what number it is because once I hit the the one year mark, it was sort of like okay, um, like that was the big goal, you know. But now it's interesting because um, as the number gets higher, you know, as as we cross into the 400 mark here. It's pretty remarkable how much of my, when I think back, how much of my time in the last couple years was spent, you know, smoking every day, and how, at the time, it felt so harmless. Um... And I think, I don't know, maybe in some ways it feels like it kind of was harmless It's just that It would numb what I'm going through now With this whole Daily waking up, feeling the weight of the world still on me I mean, at this point A lot has happened since the last time I recorded an episode of this show Um, The first job that I went on that interview for for the um, event project manager um, Interesting turn of events there I, uh, I expected to hear back From the person who interviewed me The week between Christmas and New Year's And when that didn't happen I reached out on I believe it was New Year's Eve I just sent an email saying Hey, hope you're having a great holiday season Happy New Year Really looking forward to continuing our conversation And that same day, like two hours later, on LinkedIn, I saw the person who I had connected with, who who sort of hooked me up with the interview in the first place, has a post up that they're looking for a new job. And, you know, it's the standard, I don't know if LinkedIn writes this for you with its AI, but it's the, you know, hi, I'm looking for a new position, a new opportunity. If anybody can help, I'd be gratefully appreciative, I would greatly appreciate it. And so, you know, I reached out to her. I was like, hey, are you no longer with that company? And uh, I was really kind of looking forward to becoming colleagues. And she responded, no, I just found out Thursday. So this would be like, you know, if New Year's Eve was a Sunday, the Thursday before New Year's Eve, she's like, I just found out Thursday, they're in financial trouble. They're deep in the red, over 5 million. They're on the verge of bankruptcy. And I was like, what? what? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I just went on a tour of their facility. I saw all their gear. I just went on an interview with them. And, um, and I said, you know, uh, she said, I wouldn't take a position with them if I were you. The company's in trouble. And I said, well, they said they've been around for 11 years. And she said, yeah, and the CEO is only 28. So something about that math doesn't really add up. Um, Yeah, it just became kind of like this, hey, I know I'm the one who put you in touch with them, but I'm no longer even with them. I'm advising you do something else. And I was like, I was about to sort of reestablish myself in New Jersey and uh, kind of look for somewhere to live near there. And she said, don't do that. Whatever you do, don't do that. And what sort of compounded the sudden horror I felt from this revelation is that I never heard back. Now, the email I had sent was a continuation of a string that had been going back and forth between myself and the, um, you know, uh, manager of the company, and the subject line. Had this woman's name in it. It said, you know, referred to by the woman I'm speaking to on LinkedIn. And I'm wondering if because she had just left and that her name was in the subject line of my email, that could have um, inspired her to not respond. Maybe she assumes that I spoke to the person. But my email was like... Hours before the conversation that I'm describing now And it didn't say anything about having any misgivings It was more like, hey, we left this off where I was going to sort of audition for you guys in January And run an event for you And looking forward to continuing that conversation And so the fact that she didn't respond to that After, you know, having me up to visit Having me in to see the facility Interviewing me, kind of, I don't know Made what the, the gal on LinkedIn was telling me feel a little bit more real. And then I've been seeing a lot of posts from them, both the CEO of the company and the manager who interviewed me saying, we're looking forward to a great year. Things are great here. The CEO said something like, if people want to be negative, that's on them. But we're looking to have a great year. And I'm like, oh, that's sort of a weird comment to make <laughs> to the public. So obviously the long and short of it is that didn't happen I mean part of me still thinks that maybe I should reach out to them But I don't know I feel like we had a really good phone call We had a really good Zoom call We had a really good interview It's left with hey let's talk in the new year I reach out and say alright it's the new year I'm ready to talk and then nothing And then hearing that they're in trouble So yeah that's That's fun then, uh, let's see, I had another interview. It'll be two weeks ago on this coming Tuesday at a company that's a distributor of cameras and video equipment to revamp, reestablish, and run their studio and do live events two to four times a month. Featuring the manufacturers of the cameras and gear that they that they sell and um, My phone interview went great they you know ZipRecruiter when you're when you have a when you have a bite on the line with ZipRecruiter they keep you apprised of how many times they view your application and They viewed mine like four times in the same day and then emailed me the next day and said hey we'd like to set up a call Get on the call, everything is great Set up an interview for the following week I, uh, being that I'm still sort of camped out at my parents' place in Delaware This job was up in Jersey And I feel like, I don't know, like I'm pretty transparent about that I said, you know, one of the things that would have to be worked into the equation Would be that I need to sort of relocate So I would need some lead time before starting To, uh, to make that, make that happen And they were all fine with it But then they were like how's about like a a 10am interview on a Tuesday And it's like oh god that's a three hour drive so fine I mean obviously I didn't say that I was like yeah sure that's no problem And then immediately I'm like okay I need to take my car in to get looked at Because it was making noise the last time I drove back from Virginia to Delaware That was going to cost almost 1200 bucks Um which, luckily, it didn't. <laughs> it wound up only costing, I think, $6.50. Um, but because it was cutting it too close time-wise, uh, the time they were having it in the shop and the time I was having to leave, because now my plan was to leave Delaware at, like, 5 a.m. to make sure I'm up in Jersey with plenty of time for this interview, uh, not knowing what the, the you know um, traffic situation would be like, if that you know, I figured I'd be pretty much diving headfirst into rush hour traffic in the morning. So I rented a car. It was actually a pretty decent car, a Chevy Trailblazer, which I had not driven. And the whole thing is, it's like a, a night and day difference when I rent a newer car versus my old car. I still love my car. I, I think my car is awesome. I'm comfortable in it. I don't feel like there's anything other than its age showing and the maintenance that that's requiring, it still works, you know, it does what a car is supposed to do, it gets you from point A to point B, but then when you get in these newer cars and it's like, okay, (laughs) a little bit more comfy, a lot more screens, I can put my phone Bluetooth connected and play my Spotify throughout the car speakers, all right, that's that's nice, my car is so old that I can't do that I was considering replacing the radio in my car But I'm like, nah, really all signs are pointing to I should be figuring out how to get a new car Which can't really happen until I get a steady job So, it's all chicken and the egg, man And it's like, I need to move to be able to get the job in Jersey But I need to have the job in order to be able to move <laughs> it's, it's a really tough limbo to be in So I rented a car left Delaware left left my parents' place at five went over to Wawa got two big coffees a breakfast sandwich and some snacks bottle of water and uh, made it up to Hazlitt New Jersey by nine am so I had like an hour to kill in the parking lot <laughs> um, I uh, did my Morning manifestation journal, my morning gratitude journal, and still had like 20 minutes to spare. So I just enjoyed my coffee and tried to psych myself up. And I thought it actually went pretty well. The only problem was that the gear in the studio that they had is gear I'd never used before. And it, it was like so much of the interview. It was crazy. Like the idea was that most of the job, once I got the studio up and running, would be coming up with concepts for these live shows. Like, what should we do a show about? Who should we interview this week? And I was throwing out ideas, and the the CEO who I was meeting with really seemed like he liked the stuff I was saying. But it was the gear. Like you know, he he kept asking me, "Have you ever used this before?" And I was like, "No," but I I understand switching, so I would just need to train up on the gear and. He kind of kept talking. That room is going to be your responsibility. Everything up and running. Everything well maintained. You know, and I was not a facilities guy in my previous role. I managed studio operations, but the studio was already built. You know, I'm not the. I my engineering side's a little weaker, I guess, or maybe this is my imposter syndrome coming to the surface, where I was intimidated by the fact that it was all kinds of gear that I wasn't really familiar with. But then at the end of the interview, he even said, you know, the first couple weeks is just going to be you figuring out and learning the gear. And I was like, "Okay." so I kind of left the interview with the impression that I would get offered the position. He said they were interviewing two more people after me and that they were going to make their decision by the end of the week. This was a Tuesday. I was up there for the interview. And I on the drive home. As much as I had trepidations because of the learning curve And because it would also necessitate me moving very quickly Finding a place um, I felt like, you know, probably some of that's just normal butterflies And if they offer me the job, I'm going to take it Uh, They told me I would know either way by the end of the week I would hear either way, whichever the decision was And there were a lot of good perks to to the job And this is something I don't really get is like in these interviews, they're telling you so much about or at least the my experience lately is like they're telling me so much about the company and so much about what it would be like to be working there that it almost gave the impression that like, yeah, we're really only looking at you. You know what I mean? Like, so it's going to be kind of on you if you either bumble this interview or say you don't want the job. That would be the only two ways that you wouldn't get it. And I'm not getting the feedback, you know, like I keep going back to that one where I had the three rounds of interviews and I didn't even really notice like anything that happened in the in the last round of interviews that would have bumped me out of the running. And yet then they turn around. So it's something's going on. There's something in the air. You know, I've got like a scarlet letter branded on me that I don't know what letter it is. I don't know how I got it. I don't know who put it there, but. It's keeping jobs from deciding to pull the trigger on me Because then the rest of that week went by And actually every morning I woke up With a severe, severe panic attack um, About how quick a transition this would all be Like it would go from the sort of more Trying to figure things out mode at my parents To okay, find a place to live Okay um, Uh oh Find a place to live uh, Get in the swing of things Get back into the grind But you know I feel like That's how I felt before my last job That I was at for 16 years But I think maybe In the way that the sort of energies of the universe Work (laughs) um, The fact that I was that scared Because there were things that, like, you know, he was like, okay, here's our control room, here's our edit suites, and I was almost like, where are the edit stations, you know what I mean? And and I don't know if that was a test or what, it probably was. Uh, I thought I did a pretty good job of, like, projecting the confidence that even though some of this stuff was a little on the alien side to me, I would still be able to figure it out because... I've done this for 20 years (laughs) You know what I mean Like it's so uh, You know I, I don't even understand How to respond to Some of this stuff now And um In any case Uh Friday came and went Didn't hear anything The following Monday came and went Didn't hear anything I imagine ghosting is the new Uh Normal version of rejecting people So That was a hopeful I was hanging my hat on So it's been back to the Grind of looking for jobs Sending out Applications like you know Several a day there's one job that I saw in the description was like kind of like perfect for me as far as my experience uh, as a producer goes and conducting interviews and, uh, you know, sent in my application. Zip recruiter started pinging me back. Hey, you know, they looked at your thing three times. So the next day I emailed them with sort of like a, a semi-cover letter just saying, hey, I wanted to write with enthusiastic interest about the position and tell you a little bit about my experience and how conducting interviews was kind of like a core strength and a cornerstone of the work I did in my 16-year tenure at my previous job and in the freelance work I've been doing since. Below are some samples of my videos of me conducting interviews with celebrities at Comic-Con and some of the videos in the corporate world that I created using footage from the interviews I conducted. And haven't heard anything from them And I just, and I don't, you know I don't know what to do at this point I don't know I've also been auditioning for some audiobooks I actually just got one yesterday Got an offer, so that's pretty cool That's like the one sort of good thing that's happened since the new year started here I finally got a, uh, Got somebody giving me a shot at something But, uh, you know, I was talking to my sister and she actually said, maybe we should look into one of these, um, you know, resume makeover companies and let them like redo your resume, redo your LinkedIn, train you for interviews and then help you look for jobs. Because something's going on here that that, you know, something's happening in your interviews that's making people hesitate about pulling the trigger on you and taking a chance on you. And I, I I don't know, I kind of firmly believe it's got to be my age, you know, 44, coming in, new person, you know, I don't know, I don't know why that should be the case, it's like there are plenty of people who work well into their 60s and 70s, but, you know, it's just such a fickle time with so many factors up in the air, and everybody, and no one will give you the feedback, that's the other thing that's Probably because they don't have a good solid reason They just, oh, I don't know He, uh, he has a goatee, I didn't like that about him You know, who knows, you know <laughs> Or maybe I, I think they can't come out and say Oh, it's because of your age Because then I could sue them for discrimination or something But how are you supposed to figure it out If no one will give you honest feedback About why they're not giving you the job and it's really hard to not let this rejection break me down. I mean, it actually has been for the last couple of days have been pretty bad. Because you feel like the universe is collectively saying to you, you don't deserve to be able to make a living. You don't deserve to be able to support yourself. Uh, and again, as always when I talk about this stuff, it's a situation that when I was... Gainfully employed I never pictured myself Being in but at the same time I was Afraid of ever being in and now I'm sort of still knee deep in the nightmare Of it And it's getting to the point where I'm going to have to Consider Something outside of my realm of experience You know there's a, a local Store here near my parents that is Advertising on Instagram that they're Hiring a manager A store manager I don't have retail experience, but I have corporate managerial experience, so I responded to their post and said, would you consider somebody who doesn't have retail experience but has corporate managerial experience, and they said, sure, send your resume over, we'll be looking to set up interviews next week, so fingers crossed, maybe I'll hear from them, and as long as it's not single digit numbers per hour, dollar compensation, uh, I might have to seriously consider that. And I don't know, I mean, I think part of it probably is my mindset too Like, like I really don't want to work in a restaurant Even though apparently that's possibly a way to make a decent amount of money You know, I I hear that uh, bartenders in the restaurants around here make decent money Because people around here tip really well I don't know how to bartend I went to bartending school I worked as a bar back shortly after college A bar back is kind of like a busboy just for the bar And the bar that I was working for was supposed to be teaching me how to bartend. And they didn't until or they didn't even seem like they were going to until I suddenly had a job offer in the corporate world. And I did both for like a week. And after that, I was like, yeah, there's no way this is going to happen. Like the catching the train, getting to my car, getting to the restaurant. It's all like there's not enough time and I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to let the restaurant go. And that was the last time I worked in a restaurant. So, I always think of that scene in Reservoir Dogs, right? Where they say, you know, this is basically the one job any woman can get based on whether or not they have any education. And, you know, obviously I translate that to this is the one job anybody can get. And, um,. I don't know why I'm so... It's like I have a performance anxiety that kicks in when I think about... Um, what... <laughs> when I think about... Um, serving, you know, food or, or or walking up to a table to take people's order. I don't know why. Um, and I'm sure once... Again, like everything else, I'm sure once I did it for a little while, I'd be fine, but... It's just one of these things where I don't know if it's starting to get to the point where Because it's been a couple years now Since I've been On a schedule of like Having to be someplace at a certain time For a certain number of hours And deal with people And keep the mask on So that people don't realize You know, if you're having a bad day Or if you're upset Or anything You know, um it's the trade off, you know, I think it's almost like part of me came to the conclusion that on, even though I, I like socializing with people and I'm a people person, there is a certain level of once there's this other set of parameters involved, <laughs> um, it becomes different. And it's been so long since I've been in that That I just assumed at some point the only way I'm going to carry forward, the only real path for me is somehow figuring out this work from home life that has become a thing since the pandemic, right? So I'm kind of caught, like my sister even offered to help pay for this resume doctor, and it's pretty expensive, um but I think at least that I would figure out what where the Scarlet Letter came from, what the Scarlet Letter is, why people aren't hiring me. I'm probably gonna have to shut down my social media. I mean, um for all I know, this podcast could be part of what's holding me back. Um one of the guys that walks with us in the mornings um one day was like, Hey, I found your blog where you were you know kind of putting your former landlords on blast he goes you might want to take that down that could be the kind of thing that if companies are looking into your background and they come across this thing and you're being really you know open about your landlord and things that probably maybe should be private they're gonna think well if he's unhappy with us is he gonna turn around and make blog posts about us and I was like I don't know man I mean I see what you're saying but I also feel like Really? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, but at the same time, you know, he could have a huge point because it almost feels petty. The way that they'll look for any reason to so, oh you did something 20 years ago in college and uh, you got reprimanded for it yeah we're not gonna hire you it's like what does that have to do with the fact that i need to put groceries in the fridge and have a roof over my head now like should i just go out in the woods and die should i just lay down and die is that what the is that the message i should be getting from this you know i mean i'm kind of there was a part of me that was a little relieved that I didn't hear from that studio job Just because of how harped, how how, how much he was harping on That room's gonna be your responsibility Like, okay, dude, alright, I get it <laughs> You know, and I was even gonna call an engineer buddy of mine And say, hey man, can you meet me there on a Saturday? I'll pay you and and get you lunch Can you just kind of walk through the system with me So that I'm up to speed Because, you know It's getting to that point where I think a couple years away starts to show like so much gear changes so quickly And there's a certain level of the shop I used to work at uh, Maybe it was almost like a band using Fisher-Price instruments, you know what I mean? Like they they bought gear and it worked, but it's not the the top-of-the-line gear that every other studio is using and so, it's this is only feeding into my imposter syndrome of, like, do I really know how to do this? Was I living, like, a really cushy fantasy life in my old job? Um, I know that that's not true, but the fact that this has been such a harrowing journey, um, and granted, I'm sure there's probably like if someone followed me around for a day they could be like they would be like well dude you know you also only spent 3 hours sending out resumes and then the rest of the time you spent working on your freelance editing but the freelance editing is the only thing that's bringing money in right now and if i wasn't living with my parents i would be barely being able to pay for rent and utilities and food um Luckily in the last five months I've been able to pool some money together But then my thoughts instantly go to Yeah but then tax time is coming up And I'm going to lose at least half of that Uh, You know what I mean Like It's like you cannot fucking win And no one knows how to help me It's amazing how many people I've reached out to and maybe part of it, maybe that's part of what I need to get better at Is being able to still learn how to directly ask people Outside of my family for help, you know um, There have been a few professional connections That I've sort of hinted at I'm looking for work, is there anything you could do And they were like, yeah, we don't really have anything going on And it's kind of just like Really? <laughs> I mean... Okay, I guess, <laughs> you know, I mean, and I do, I don't want to sound ungrateful, the the freelance clients that I have had for the last year, two years, three years in some cases, um, actually one I've had for four years now, they've been great, and I would be dead in the water completely without them, so I'm very grateful, but there are some others out there that I just expected would have been able to... Do something for me And Haven't And I don't know How to Not resent that I'm trying to get better At stuff like this And not take things personally There's a A motivational meme out there That says you know There's here's some sentences You need to hear in your life And the first one is Everyone's not against you Or everyone's not Out to get you Something like this It's like everyone's not against you They're just for themselves And it's a pretty interesting Dichotomy and dynamic To have to face Is that Yeah everyone's in the same situation Everyone needs to Put themselves first The same way you had to learn to After the abusive relationship And realizing that Um putting others before you is what left you vulnerable well it it goes across the board right you know ooh we got some snow fall off there that was pretty loud (laughs) Um, everybody's first priority has to be their own survival so even if they care about you even if they want to be able to help you if they can't they can't and they can't put themselves in jeopardy to try to do so and you really can't fault them for that. And that's great to acknowledge and it's a truth, but when you're the one that they have to pass on being able to help, you start to think, yeah, so I'm the guy you would just let drop the jack hanging on to the side of the door here that we're going to that is going to freeze to death at the end of Titanic, you know? I'm the one that you're going to have to let go if it's between Saving me and saving the ship. You're gonna have to just let me go, man. I get it, you know um, It really hurts though to be in that position I know I talked about in previous episodes a plan that I was gonna enact regardless that may be the way out of this and um, I Actually was talking to my brother-in-law about it over the holidays and he was really um into the idea, very supportive. The only problem is that, like the car, it would cost some money. And um, I don't know, like, part of me in the midst of all this uncertainty is wondering if that's what needs to happen. That, like, maybe the reason I'm not getting any of these gigs is because I'm not really supposed to. Like, that's just going back to the old world. It's not moving into the world I'm supposed to be in and that this new idea, even though it would require an investment in myself, you know, a lot of the um, motivational speakers out there, say that one of the things that holds people back is their mentality hasn't evolved yet, even though their ideas or their dreams are evolving. And sometimes that mentality of like, no, man, like like I just said before, oh, you're worried about taxes, that's still months away. What if you put this money out now and it leads to things getting better and then you've got money coming in, so tax time you're not worried about it. By being afraid to take that step, you're still in that... What they call the lack mentality. You're you're in the old mentality that you know um, that doesn't know how to build wealth. A lot of um, a lot of the channels I've been watching talk about this. You know, you got to think about money the way that the wealthy already think about money. They put money out constantly. They they leverage debt. They know that you have to put the money out. Let the money build back And Not doing anything with the money Is not growing the money Using the money to grow more money Is the way to continue to build You know And evolve your wealth So it's a little hard to consider Those things when you're At rock bottom And haven't made much progress But at the same time It does feel like a bold step Needs to be taken And I hesitate talking much more in detail about this because, like with all the job situations, once I started counting the chickens before they hatched, all of a sudden that went away. You know, for as much as I was afraid of this studio job, on the drive home, the three-hour drive back from Jersey to Delaware, through a terrible torrential rainstorm, which, thank God, I had the rented car to drive through, um... I was thinking, like, well, you know, with that money, I would be able to get back on my feet with the uh, profit sharing that the company offered. It would probably be more money than I realized. Oh, my God, stop making noise. (laughs) The snow is making noise all over the place. Um, And now the dog next door decides to let the world know he's here. (laughs) Um... You know, my mind started to go, oh, you can get an apartment, you'll be buying groceries. and like, yeah, you'll have to go to work, but they want everybody to leave by 5.30. It was the first time I'd ever heard a company going, we don't want people staying here late. We also don't pay overtime. So we want everybody you get your work done from 9 to 5.30, 45-minute lunch. I was a little pissed that there were like a very strict no work from home, not negotiable, not even a conversation that can be had down the road. I felt like that was a little... You know you can't get everything I guess But that I felt was a little like too old school Like really dude you know Like if the whole job Is making sure that we do these Two shows a month Two to four shows a month um, There's five days in that week One of those days I should be allowed to work from home And one of the things that I keep in mind Is that it took me Being at my old job Fourteen years Before Fifteen years Well fourteen Before they Even gave Me one work at home day When someone else on the team had three Work at home days a week for that entire Time that I was there I actually felt like that was A sexual harassment situation that I was talked out of bringing Up to HR And um, And so remembering That that it took that fight that Long to get that perk which now Since the pandemic has been something that Has become far more accepted uh, as viable I thought that was a little off-putting And the guy even said Look, If that's really that strongly on your mind Let's just end the conversation now But he did tell me that there were people Who left this job Because they were looking for a situation Where they could work from home At least one or two days a week And he said no And they left I mean eventually they also then kind of called To see if the position was still open And he had since filled the positions, So no the position wasn't open But you know That's a real thing, you know, when you're sitting someplace going, I could be doing this from home, I didn't have to drive 40 minutes to get here and then drive 40 minutes to get home at the end of the day, Um, I could be in a more comfortable situation, I could not have to have the mask on, and I could be working as myself. For someone to be so staunchly against that, I thought that was a little short-sighted. I thought the rest of the idea for the job was great, you know. There was basically a guy creating his own TV station, but it was all about, you know, it wasn't like we were making TV shows. It wasn't like we were even doing anything exciting. But for their manufacturers and for the people whose gear they sold, it would have been something that would have been an interesting perk for being involved with the company. So I'm a little lamentatious about that. I'm hoping I'm going to hear back from this other job About the interviewing Um, But even that I wonder if by mentioning it here If I in some way have jinxed that We'll see though Um, Part of me also worries hearing myself talking about this um, How much of the problem I really am Because I'm sure If I was really desperate, I would just look through this whole performance anxiety thing and just go start working at either a restaurant or a fast food place or anywhere just to be bringing in some regular money. I did upgrade my Voices.com account to try to be auditioning for voice work, and I have yet to do any auditions there. I have been auditioning for books and was kind of—I got really close to getting one. I got invited to do a second read. They wound up going with somebody else They're like it's between you and someone else So if you could just read one more page for me That would really help me And um, I guess they didn't like what they heard (laughs) In my second read they went with the other person The one I just got yesterday though It was the same thing I I sent in a read I got a message back a day later Saying I loved your read I love some of the voices you're doing For the different characters Would you consider reading uh, some more So I can get a better idea of some additional characters I did the second read They wrote back like alright I really didn't like This one and this one If you could do those two again with some more direction And I, I did that and they said alright Much better um, There's still a few things we need to smooth out But we can get we can figure that out as we work along here I'd like to offer you the job And I was like yes Awesome So you know I'm hoping that's a little bit of the uh, first pebble That creates the avalanche Of doing more voice work And if I could get a couple of those jobs Every couple weeks You know, or at least one a month maybe In addition to the freelance work I've got going on I might be able to start Turning this thing around Um, Yeah, I mean I've also been you know, I've had an Etsy store for a while. I have uh, an account with a PLR distributor and, you know, wanting to get into selling some digital products. I need to I need to beef up my SEO skills and there's all kinds of free um, courses on HubSpot that I'm thinking I should take as well. So it's like I have a bit of a plan. It's just I think part of me is also projecting an unspoken um concern on the part of my parents probably not wanting me to be here for very much longer and uh so I think I'm feeling this expediency this need to make something happen soon. I haven't told them about the book yet, but um I don't want to be here. I mean I do but I don't, you know, like I I'm, I I like the comfort of being around people who have my best interest at heart and who care about me but my big fear of not being able to recover my life every day that I'm not closer to it I feel that weight heavier I feel like there is a very real chance that if I don't do something soon I am never I'm, I'm going to die sooner than I should in a like in a homeless shelter or something You know, I'm, I'm Deathly, deathly afraid Of how vulnerable I am And I'm trying to stay Strong through it um, I've actually been attending church Virtually for the last Two months now and I do feel some comfort there But I am Praying And Hoping That Somehow I'm able to shift Alright, I think I'm going to take a break because the dogs are losing their minds now And um, I actually do have to jump So I'll be back in a few minutes here Alright, we're picking up where we left off From inside now, away from all the barking dogs And uh, actually, a couple hours later after... um, As odd as this will probably sound After having a chance to attend church virtually And, um, I know I've been mentioning on the show for a while I've been sort of on a more spiritual journey As this, uh, sort of time has been going by this last year or so And a buddy of mine from college, um I guess almost three months ago now, sent me a link to uh, tune in to his church that um, broadcasts their Sunday sermons over YouTube. And, you know, there's been a certain amount of comfort that I've found in listening to his pastor. And it's been, I think out of all the weeks I've been tuning in, um, Since just before Thanksgiving There's only been one week Where I didn't get the feeling that uh, In this weird sort of fate-destiny kind of way That the sermon wasn't exactly perfectly timed For, you know, a message that I needed to hear Or something that I was going through in some way Um, And this week was no exception to that And it was all about Sort of the origins of bad thoughts and bad thinking and how, you know, one of the ways that we find our way through these difficult times is by not succumbing to believing these negative thoughts that appear. Um... You know, and of course, you know, as a sermon from a church, there's there's always mentioning of, you know, Jesus and God. And I'm not going to go down that road here, but it felt um, appropriately timed because of the sort of even just before I stopped recording some of the paths that I was going down about, you know, wondering if I'm you know, actually good enough at what I do anymore, or if that there's this scarlet letter that has been branded on me that I don't know about. Um, even if you're not religious, you know, in thinking about the idea that the world is, is impossibly a very big matrix of occurrences and events that we all, you know, work our way through and navigate One of the things that can begin to bog us down is the sort of negative intrusive thoughts. And even if you're not coming to it from a religious perspective, having the wherewithal to be able to recognize the thoughts and deactivate them by realizing that they're not based in truth, they're based in your own sort of perception which is being affected by your situation you know it's sort of in a lot of the ways that they in therapy will train you to avoid negative self-talk and to short wire or short circuit intrusive thoughts about you know sort of viewing yourself negatively and I'm not saying I'm an expert in this by any means. You know, if you've been listening to this show for the past 30 some odd episodes, you could tell the time is where I have definitely been succumbing to the weight of the sort of negative impression that comes with the sort of challenges I've been facing. But I felt really inspired after, after I attended this particular, um, sermon and and it seems that since then I've I mean it's not like it's completely gone but it's less oppressive this sort of the confusion um of not knowing why you know not knowing why it's been so hard to take the next steps here why it's been so hard to find a job and is is it even you know should i even still be looking for jobs in video you know i i attended this evening a um a webcast by uh, on linkedin an audio cast that was a guy who is a recruiter for the gaming industry and there were plenty of people on there who were Talking about wanting to switch careers at various stages, you know, and some of the people have some experience in the field, some have no experience in the field. So it was interesting to be having some of the revelations of I'm not the only person in a, in a transition right now and never really 100 percent knowing what's going to work and what's not going to work. So just try anyway kind of thing. You know, actually, there was a, a video And I, I mean, I I follow Gary Vaynerchuk on social media, Gary V, you know, it's sometimes it's easy to write off um, advice and sort of prophetic sayings from people who are, you know, mega millionaires and billionaires because they feel, it feels like they're, they're so disconnected from who you are maybe, or where you are. But Gary V is somebody who's, pretty down-to-earth, and um, it was this video of a young woman who uh, had just attended one of his talks, and she came up to him because she ran into him on the street outside the venue and asked if she could take a picture with him and was saying how she found what he was saying really inspiring, and then she, right before he was getting uh, into his car, she said, I'm going to be someone someday, and when I am you'll be able, you'll, you'll remember me. And he was like, hold on a second, hold on a second. You're somebody right now. And he's like, I was somebody before I became famous. You know, he's like, we're all somebody. He's like, you're somebody now. And once you start to realize that, that all these things that, that weighed down on us, that kind of come in and and interfere with how we see ourselves he's like it's all he's like it's all this sort of junk he's like who whose opinion matters the most about who you wind up being you know about what you wind up doing with your life is like it's yours who who are you worried about disappointing is it your parents is it your friends what the fuck are any of these people gonna say you know it's your life and you're somebody and you have to you know you you have to value yourself and and I feel like I mean, that's really yeah, I'm getting really choked up talking about it because it's so easy for us to lose that value of ourselves because of these situations. I'm certainly not like I'm past it just because I heard this very this Gary V quote. But I mean, I know one of the problems I'm facing right now is this feeling of such great disappointment in myself for where I am. And not being able to get past it enough to just try to move forward into anything else, you know, and that that if I and, and, and holding on to this kind of idea that if I don't wind up getting another job doing video somewhere or if I don't get another job uh, in, in a corporate situation other than because of the money, um, that it would be sort of like a continuation of the failure, you know, and and it's really just all about being happy with who you are, and and seeing the value in who you are, no matter what you do, and taking pride in what you accomplish. And so, if I have to take a job doing something else, other than not making as much money as I had once made, is is there anything wrong with that? And is if it's just a a. Turn in the in the road and not the rest of the road, but just something to help me get past the difficulty of the time that i 'm in now is that such a bad thing? I do struggle with feeling like i 'm too old for these kinds of moments that i I feel like uh, i don 't have a lot of time to rebuild the nest egg that I scrambled for this last attempt at life. And at some point I'm gonna have to learn how to forgive myself for that, and maybe it'll be easier to do that once I'm in a better place. But it was really touching to hear from somebody and and to think that if I had been the person who ran into him and was saying something like that to him, he would say the same thing to me. And and is it do I need somebody like Gary V to say it to me before I'll, I'll accept it do I need the pastor at the sermon talking about learning how to identify these thoughts these negative thoughts about ourselves and realize that they're not coming from anything that's trying to help us or anything that cares about us that they're, they're a mechanism of, of fear and doubt and that that's from a different realm of influence and it's not a good one um, and all this to say that, not, not that it's easy, but I felt like such a different level. I mean, even for the rest of the day so far, it's been less of the feeling that I woke up with the sort of, uh, strangling feeling of, you know, the first thing when I opened my eyes, the, the okay, oh my God, you know, uh, in a couple months you're gonna have to be dealing with taxes again. And, and, you know. You've only got this much money in your bank account and you, you, you still compared to what you've burned through in the last few years and what you gave up for that last relationship. It's like pennies compared to what you had and how are you going to rebuild that? And, and, you know, getting another (laughs) rejection email from a job that I know I'm qualified enough for, um, all these things are like logs on a fire, you know, and the fire just keeps burning brighter and you, you, know, you need to be able to get away from the heat of that. And it seems like by the end of the day, when I'm falling asleep, somehow I have moved a little bit enough away to, and, and usually it's if I've gotten some editing done and I know that I have uh, an invoice on its way to me and enough to be able to put out another invoice at the end of the week for, for this month's work. Um, I did um, not to be tooting my own horn again too soon because I'm a little bit weary of you know discussing things like this now because I feel like maybe uh, being a little overconfident without preparing enough for some of the interviews or or whatever's going on might have uh, contributed to some of these other jobs not working out. But I did just get offered a, um, uh, a an audio book. <laughs> And um, it's for a decent amount of money And it's going to be a a noir detective book And it's going to be a lot of fun A lot of different voices to play with in there And so that maybe that's, you know, the first of many to come Or at least the beginning of of another door opening And so Finding a way to rise over The sort of obstacle that the fear and the doubt And the negative self-talk puts in your way is something I, I'm going to be focusing on uh, for this year, for for 2024 as a resolution. Um, and again, it's still. I think it's just I need some a little bit more positivity to push me to really pull the trigger on this other plan that I've been alluding to. And once I do, then I'll start talking about it more. But for some reason, there's a little bit of doubt that has kind of surfaced around it. Yet at the same time, in the moments when I am um, feeling more hopeful and more confident, it seems like such a such the right idea. And maybe one of the keys, like, you know, I think one of the things that I have to work on is even in this vulnerable state and what mostly vulnerable, I mean, financially vulnerable, (laughs) um, having some bravery to take a few risks still, because that's really it's going to be it's going to require risking And taking another chance somewhere in order to have a shot at rebuilding some kind of a nest egg for the future, some kind of a retirement. I mean, granted, I do still have a pension floating out there that once I hit the right age, I'll be able to start collecting. And hopefully at that time, there'll also still be some social security left. You know, who knows what's going to happen in the next few years here. But um, I'm not going to rest on those laurels alone. I need to find a way to start bringing in enough to be able to get myself out of the debt from now of of whatever taxes I'll still owe, be able to comfortably pay taxes and move forward and get back on my feet. And granted, yes, a corporate job or at least a job with a, a significant regular salary is kind of like the regular way to do that. But I feel like that won't be enough even on its own. either you know so i'll have to implement this plan as well so now i'm sort of seeing the getting of a job as a means to an end to um you know to keep trying um and i guess i still need to define for myself what a level of success or happiness would be you know what would i be happy winding up doing where would i what would other than getting my own place again what is the goal now you know um I'm still on sort of a mission to redefine who who I really am and and all of these things and for some reason, you know, since this um since that sermon it has felt a little bit more attainable. I do have a friend who's also a, a spiritual healer, not the one that I'd seen previously, who uh has offered me a, a free mini session um, because we hadn't spoken in a while and when we caught up recently um, and she became aware of, of sort of where I'm at and what I'm dealing with. She she wanted to offer me at least some time to kind of talk about some of her approaches to being able to um, find some relief and and um, find a way to realign my energy <laughs> and, and figure out my way forward. So that's something else I'm looking forward to as well. In any case, um, as always... Thank you, those of you who are on this journey with me for listening to me ramble, and I'm hoping that in some way, in any way, um, healing in front of y'all is in some way inspiring other folks who might be dealing with similar situations or in the same situation. Please feel free to reach out and join the conversation um, at, the, at our email, hollow9.com podcast at gmail.com it's the word hollow the number nine i-n-e podcast at gmail.com and you know share this with a friend share this with anybody who might benefit from this ongoing saga and if you have any advice I'm open to anyone who has words of wisdom to pass along Um, and if anyone who might be able to help you know if you have a job opening out there if you know somebody who has a job opening out there um, you know, I, I'm I'm sort of not too proud to uh, ask for that help from anyone who understands what this might be like. Um, it's a strange world right now. It's a strange time. There's a lot of people out of work, and I totally understand it. Even the, the webinar about the gaming industry, we were talking about how there have been so many layoffs and redundancies recently in that industry, so there's so many people vying for any job out there. Um, and so we, you know, we all have to help each other when we can Is is part of that. And, uh, you know, I certainly hope whatever the scarlet letter is, that's hanging on me is not, uh, exacerbated by this podcast. I did reach out to a friend, um, after speaking to my sister about that and said, Hey, you know, if, if there's anything you know of that you could share with me, like, as far as if I have a reputation that I'm not aware of, or. I'm getting bad references from former colleagues that I should be made aware of. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to tattletale, but if you just let me know if that's happening, um, that would be great. There's only a few people I trust enough to ask that, and this person was one of them. I'm going to ask one more just to maybe start doing some investigating on my own. And then, uh, you know, there are a few more uh, alternatives before finally just caving and you know, on to wait tables, which I don't mean to speak down to, uh, especially anybody out there who's listening who happens to work in the food service industry. You know, I think for me the experiences I've had and the anxiety I have around it make it a difficult option. But like anything, I'm sure once I did it for a little while, I'd be fine. It's just to me that's the last, that's the last option. You know, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to still try to land something in the realm and sphere of what I've have been good at for the last 20 years in any case uh, I think that's enough rambling for this time so until next time
0: you've been listening to a production of the Hollow Nine Network Feeling It Healing It A Diary of Recovery featuring Dave Mareska thank you for listening to Feeling It Healing It A Diary of Recovery. Dave Mareska is not a trained medical professional, psychologist, psychiatrist, or licensed professional trained in providing therapeutic mental health care. This podcast is an account of his life experiences and meant to be just that. Any advice or suggestions made in the extemporaneous dialogue of the podcast is not intended to be medical or legal advice. If such advice is what you're seeking, you are encouraged to seek out the services of a licensed professional. The Hollow Nine Network and Dave Moraska assume no liability or responsibility for the information provided in these episodes.